Out of the ashes you will rise. If you feel sad, lost, depressed, finances are in the gutter, social life, you're lonely. Out of the ashes you will rise. Here in my garage, invest in yourself. Always be curious. Don't be a cynic. Sleeping on a couch in a mobile home with only $47 in my bank account. When everything's burnt to the ground, when you're sad, lost, and depressed, and everything's at rock bottom, you get to rebuild the exact and precise way you want the damn thing rebuilt. Health, wealth, love, happiness, each of these four goals. In case you missed the last episode, make sure you go back and check it out. Here's what went down. Seven billion people in the world, not one person's come up with this thought. And I'm like, how can that be? And I realized why. Not taught in school how to be eclectic. When you're eclectic, you are able to draw from a little bit of history, a little bit of sociology, a little bit of economics, a little bit of cognitive studies, a little bit of math. Bring it all together and it creates something that's never been created before. Coming up today, almost every important person, there was a moment in time of massive failure, and then they had to make a decision whether to get a fresh start or not. Question of the day, how can you recover? How can you make a fresh start? Whatever's happened to you in the past, whether it's, you know, Depression, anxiety, betrayal of a friend, loss of a job, bankruptcy if you're an entrepreneur, losing everything. It can be disastrous if you don't know how to deal with it. So I was just on a little walk. I want you to hear a little clip. Maybe it'll help you um, on what I think is the best way to recover from whatever it is that's stressing you out right now. How to get a fresh start. The first thing I would say about getting a fresh start is that If you study almost everybody, almost every important person, there was a moment in time of massive failure and then they had to make a decision whether to get a fresh start or not. And I'll tell you this, that's what separates people. Let's actually head, we'll head down this way. Back to the idea of fresh start. I was just watching a Netflix documentary on Winston Churchill. And this is a guy, of course, you know, it's a little before all of our times, but imagine this, imagine that time uh, go, was now. The time was right now. It wasn't a history book, it was in the present. Winston Churchill, he's one of the youngest leaders in the military. World War I comes about, okay? He had been a kind of a war hero in the war in South Africa. The, it was called the Boer War. He was elevated, promoted, and he's the, I think he was considered the admiral of all the Navy. Now, back then, Britain had the biggest, most powerful navy in the world and was basically the global superpower. So you're a relatively young guy promoted all the way to be the head of the biggest navy and military power in the world. So he goes out, and the, if you study World War I, it basically got stuck. Everybody just was killing each other in trenches. The French weren't winning. The Germans weren't winning. So Winston Churchill decides he has this amazing action plan and he thinks he's more creative than anybody. He says, I got the plan. We got to stop fighting in, we have to, we have to stop fighting in France because that's where we're just all slaughtering each other. Let's go attack from the south. Let's go down to Turkey. So 
Back to Winston Churchill, he has a, a novel plan. He pushes it. No one thinks it's going to work, but he's a powerful enough leader. He says, we're going into Turkey. And then he goes into Turkey, and it turns into one of the biggest disasters in military history. There's a movie about it with, I think, Mel Gibson called Gallipoli. And uh, basically, I think 60,000 troops got slaughtered, it, disease, it, and it basically ruined Winston Churchill for as many as 10 to 20 years. Now, most of us, though, learn the story of Winston Churchill as he's this great world war, uh, this World War II victor. You know that he's the one that said never give up, and he's the one that the Brits say is responsible in great part for their their victory against the Nazis in World War II. But rewind, like I said, to 19, I think Gallipoli was in 1916 or 17. World War II wasn't until 1939, and it didn't end in terms of a victory tool in the 1940s. That means that Winston Churchill went from the greatest down to the worst for two decades, 20 years, but he was able to recover and make a fresh start. So the moral of the story is, sometimes to have a fresh start, you have to be patient. And during that time when you're low, you gotta have faith that there is the possibility. And there are times, many times, for many people before you to recover from disaster. You know, a lot of people would have committed suicide. I remember I used to have a place down in South Beach, Miami, and I was with one of my lawyers having lunch, and I said, how's business going? He said, I'm not getting paid by a lot of my clients. I said, why not? He said, they're jumping off buildings, killing themselves. This was back in the 2008 real estate recession, or actual just recession, sparked by the real estate crisis. And I thought to myself, man, People kill themselves over just one or two million dollars of debt. And I know that's a lot of debt, but is that worth killing yourself? People need to remember those stories. That's why I like to read history. Because history, you read about people who lost a billion dollars and recovered. There's, there's billionaires that have done that. Donald Trump's one of them, by the way. You can say what you want about Donald Trump, good and bad, but he doesn't quit. I think everybody would agree with that. I think even Hillary complimented him on that. <laughs> and, or he, he actually complimented Hillary on that. So I think that you see that. I think the story of Abraham Lincoln, how many times he ran for presidency and lost. I think that one of the things that practically can help you have a fresh start, recover from disaster, is this. Read history. Without a sense of history, you feel isolated. You feel like what's happening to you is a once in a lifetime event that nobody's ever dealt with, that there's no way out. So whatever you're, you're coping with, I'm sure you have certain struggles that only you know about, but yet know that the experience of humans is the experience probably of other humans before you. So having that, you know, number one tip I think to having a fresh start, like I said, was understanding history and understanding the great falls that people have recovered from. I was saying Abraham Lincoln. I believe Abraham Lincoln ran, I forget how many times for office and was defeated, just like an insane amount. He went bankrupt, he went all this stuff, but then he ended up being one of the most iconic and important presidents and world leaders ever. You know, he went down in history. And so one, the second thing I would say is, don't get too high on your highs. 
or too low on your lows. I have a, a friend, he's a top entrepreneur and he has one of the highest IQs in the world. I think he's in the Guinness Book World Records. And I remember I went to sushi with him, Sunset Plaza in LA, Sushiya, and we were sitting there and I said, what's, what's something important that you've learned in life? And he said, Ty, always be a seven. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I did the math. If some days I'm a 10, like I'm super excited, everything's awesome. He goes, you can't maintain a 10, so you're gonna drop. And when you drop, it's, if you drop to like a five, it feels like your life is over because you're used to being so high. And he said, I never, he said, if you stay like a four, which a lot of people do that are depressed, he goes, then, you know, life is just pure misery. He said, if you're a seven, you're never too high and never too low. I don't know if that's true, but I thought that was an interesting perspective. And I think there's, whether or not it's a seven, you should always be or eight is not the point. The point is be careful of peaks and valleys. And there's actually a, a psychological term for this, a formal term, it's called the contrast bias. Humans, they've done a lot of experiments. For example, if you give somebody, uh, let's say a million bucks a year job, right? And then you cut their salary to 900,000, so it's still a high salary, right? 900 grand a year. That person, if you test them on a, a meter, there's certain meters they could do, fMRI machines, they do these skin uh, palp- uh, perspiration tests to test stress, test your cortisol levels. They find that that person goes through massive stress. More so, okay, than if you took that person and gave them, but if you gave them a 100 grand salary and then gave them a bonus, of another 100 grand, so now they made 200 grand, they'll be happier than the person who made 900 grand because the contrast was they were used to making that and they went up, whereas the person making a million went down. But logically, it makes no sense because the person making 900,000 should be the way happiest person in the equation because they're making 900 grand, but they're not because the human brain has struggles with absolute values and basically does contrasting bias. So you gotta be careful because contrast bias works against you and makes you unhappy when you should be happy. That's why he was saying it's better to stay a 10 than go to a 10 one day. I mean, it's better to stay a seven, he was saying, than be a 10 one day and drop down to a two and then be up to an eight and all that variety drives you crazy. So try as best you can to take that frame of thought. You're gonna have a little bit of variables, you're gonna have some bumps in the road, but you know, let them pass and try to even out the curve. The number three thing that maybe is the most important of all is when you're in the valleys, never isolate yourself. And that's the tendency people wanna do. And I'll give you an interesting analogy, an interesting similar similar, um, piece of advice that you're given about choking. You know when the number one reason, because choking kills more people than you think. It's It's like the number three killer of people in accidental deaths in the United States or whatever, top five. Here's why, I read an interesting article. What most people do is they start to choke a little bit and they feel like they're embarrassed because they're like at a table with other people so they don't want to do it. So they go, excuse me, because they're coughing a little bit and they go in the bathroom and then when they're in the bathroom, the choking gets worse and there's no one to help them and they die in the bathroom. So people isolate themselves when they're choking and it ends up being lethal. That's a perfect metaphor and analogy for what people do emotionally. 
When you're struggling and you're trying to make your fresh start, maybe it's from alcohol, maybe from whatever it is, maybe it's from a business loss, whatever failures you've had, um, you have to go, I'm gonna keep people around me. Humans are social animals. There's a great book by a, by a professor at UCLA, Lieberman's his name, it's called Social, and he's done extensive research. I think he told me, he was at my house not too long ago, said he done more research on the social aspect of the brain than any cognitive scientist or something like that. Maybe he didn't say exactly, I forget exactly what he said, but he has these machines, they're F- advanced fMRI stuff, and he says, basically, the human brain is always thinking in social terms. So the second you isolate yourself, you're really going against the hard wiring of your DNA and it makes things worse. And it's very similar to what I was saying. You don't literally choke and die, but emotionally you choke and die. So you gotta keep groups around you even when you feel like being alone, especially when you feel like being alone. It's like choking. When you feel like being alone when you're choking, that's the number one time you should be out and about with a thousand people, or you know, maybe not a thousand, a hundred. You should have a good rule of thumb for your social life. You should be able to take out a list, a pen and paper, or an Excel spreadsheet, and write out your friends, family, and acquaintances. And it should roughly total to be 150 people. Uh, or less. It it doesn't have to be exactly 150. And that's called Dunbar's number. Robin Dunbar is a famous sociologist who did pioneering work on the ideal amount of, uh, uh, of the ideal size of a social group and 150 based on tribal research he did of, you know, throughout history and also understanding neuroscience. Because you have to be able to, the reason it's 150, it's actually 10,000 different connections your brain is tracking, because you're not only connecting your relationship with Bob and your relationship with Susie, but you're tracking your relationship, uh, the relationship between Bob and Susie. So you should be able to write out a list of 150 friends, family, and acquaintance. Uh, Romance can be involved in there. You know, just people you socialize. And it doesn't have to mean that you literally have 150 people who you talk to every day or even every week. Good way to think about it is called the funeral test. You should have at least 150 people who would show up at your funeral, okay? Like I said, some will be long lost friends that you talk to on Facebook, but, and you know, only see once every few years, that's fine. But you need to keep some connection to them. You know, and 150 is just a great number. And that will be the greatest safety net. There's a lot of science. You read any psychology textbook on recovering from depression, anxiety, you know, nastiness. This is the way to do it. So, is that the question of the day? Are we done? There you go. If you want the chance to enter into one of my free giveaways, here's all you have to do. Number one, subscribe to my podcast. And then secondly, leave an honest review of my podcast. What do you think of it? All right. I pick random reviewers to win either an iPhone 7, a GoPro Black, a MacBook Air, iPad, Kindle. And then I've been doing these uh, once a month free car giveaways, giving away a Mustang or Camaro to one random social media follower, podcast followers are entered into that too. So you'll get your free chance to enter. Just leave an honest review and make sure you subscribe to my podcast. All right. I hope you win one of the giveaways. Talk to you soon. 
make sure you subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or wherever it is you like to listen so that you don't miss out on any new episodes as they come out. <laughs>